0: I think right now we have to prepare that we're going to be without him and and plan accordingly. Now whether those answers come internally and and he comes back on the earlier side of the timeline uh or we go outside and he comes back earlier and we have, you know, too much depth at that point, you know, we'll, we'll, that's that's a good problem to have and we'll deal with that accordingly. I'll, I'll I'm I'm all for having too many options and being pleasantly surprised by by the different opportunities we have so I think we're better off approaching it you know as if he's not going to be here for the five to six months and then uh, react accordingly if if it happens uh, sooner than that that is the general manager of the White Sox Rick Hahn talking with reporters today the Sox uh, they're officially done with camp and Now it's time for baseball. Real, actual baseball is going to happen in, let's see, um, 49 hours for the White Sox. Because they'll play the Angels in their first game of the season. And that will be a 9 o'clock first pitch. As we go to the score hotline, and is brought to you by Alpamani Nissan. Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on north avenue or ap we visit with james fegan who covers the socks for the athletic you can follow him on twitter at jr fegan uh and and james it's it's nice that we're actually going to have some baseball but because it's a nine o'clock game it still feels like it's an eternity away
1: yeah uh I, i'm basically um Trying to map out what I'm going to do for most of the day on Thursday. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, mostly a lot of FIFA. So you know, big day for me, and then it's a baseball at the very end of it.
0: So is it is it going to be the same as it was last year, where there's not a whole lot of of traveling for reporters who are covering the beat?
1: I mean, I would say it's definitely going to be reduced. Uh, I mean, fundamentally, the reason to travel is for the access, uh, and that's really not that's the same as it was last year at this point. I think there's a lot of optimism, especially recently, especially with the kind of um, the vaccine distribution expanding, that that's going to change mid-season. I wouldn't think that's going to be, you know, exactly like it was in 2019. Um, maybe not at any point in the year, but I think it's going to expand where you're going to see a lot of stuff like what some teams were doing in spring training with outdoor interviews. And once that, once that starts, you're probably going to see a bit more uh, robust coverage. I don't know if uh, fans really notice either way, but for me, for a subset of like 100 people across the country, uh, big news.
0: And, and by the way, congratulations on getting your vaccine today. I, I understand it went well.
1: Yeah, I I just assumed that you saw that and you decided, let's get the foggiest brain beat reporter we could um, (laughs) on air, live, and see what happens. It'll it'll probably make good radio.
0: So, which one did you get, first of all?
1: I got Pfizer.
0: Okay, you got Pfizer. Was it the first or the second?
1: The first, so okay. this this isn't even where things get really weird. Right, you,
0: you should be okay. It's the second one that you're going to have a little bit of trouble for, a, you know, I don't know, a few hours, and then you'll be okay. I got the the Janssen one, the Johnson & Johnson shot, and I took it about 2 in the afternoon and, and about 9 o'clock at night. I felt like ass, like it just it didn't feel good at all. You know, had a fever for like, I don't know, a few hours. Then it went away. I was good the next day. So you're you're going to be okay, but you are one step closer uh, to getting us all closer to being out of this this stupidity. So uh, thanks for getting I that. I didn't assume you care. went on air
1: immediately uh, at 9 o'clock when that no,
0: happened. No, I did not. I did not. I, I, I went to bed, and I never go to bed early, but that night at like 10 o'clock I said, I got to go to bed. I just it felt terrible. Uh, you know, cold sweats in the middle of the night. I'm really selling the vaccine, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think people are lining up just hearing this.
0: Oh man, I can't, I can't wait to go get it now. Oh, I'm gonna feel like crap for a little bit. Yes, but on the other end, on the other that that was the thing that got me through it was that on the other side of it, I knew that I was closer to this being over, and that was good enough for me. Um, so since we are getting close to baseball, obviously the the biggest story out of White Sox camp happened in the last week or so with Eloy Jimenez, and he did have the surgery today, correct?
1: Correct. He was still going on when Rick Hahn had his presser with us, but, uh, yeah, he, he was he was in uh, California getting so, checked up today.
0: So, James, what what is the plan then with him? Because they gave Andrew Vaughn some reps in left field, and I thought it was uh, maybe a little amusing I guess that there was like this fly ball to left field watch that they put him out there and it was like every reporter is going to tweet whether or not he got a fly ball hit to him and we'll see how he did on those so they gave him a little bit of work out there uh what is going to be the plan for the position at least as they begin the season
1: he's going to mix in there uh you know a decent amount I don't think it's going to be uh you know what was the year when the Mets like stuck stuck a uh, Todd Humley out there to die like every day? Like I don't think it's going to be like that all the time. I, I think it's more, you know, it's going to be mix and match. I think Tony Rizzo even told us as much that he was leaning towards Larry Garcia uh, every day, but you know, Larry Garcia is not really an everyday hitter, so I think it's going to kind of vary around. Um, it's it's definitely the way to maximize offense of what they currently have. Like when they want um, Grandal catching and Zach Collins. Uh, you know, DHing, that's kind of the way to get as many bats as possible uh, to really be in. And, you know, maybe on uh, nights where they're not starting Lucas Giolito or they, they think they kind of have to, uh, you know, are going to be a bit more of a slugfest, that's where you see Andrew Vaughn doing it. But I, I would think like three to four nights a year, he's going to do that. I think definitely the quote that you uh, let in with as I was coming on here kind of shows that they're kind of actively looking around for, for some help uh, over the course of the year, that they're, you know, operating off the assumption that. You know, Illinois is really missing most of the regular season. You wouldn't quite necessarily trade for your new left fielder or anything like that, but I, I think they're definitely looking for piecemeal help here and there to, to give them some sort of offensive boost and It's not just, you know, Andrew Vaughn on left field every day for eternity or anything like that. But it's it's an unsettled uh, state at this moment. So um, I I think every, uh, you know, kind of half-baked rumor that comes out about left field, you kind of have to pay a little bit of attention to to it until L.A. comes back.
0: And and that's kind of what I was thinking is that, you know, leading up to the deadline, which is months away, um, you kind of have to assume they're going to look outside the organization depending on where they are and – how things are working out there. And part of it if I'm wrong on this, let me know. But it, it felt like then this is this is not hindsight. I had felt this way prior to spring training starting, that I just felt like there was there was more business to be done with the roster that maybe it's um, you know, I, I don't know how excited people were about Adam Eaton. I thought it was sort of an underwhelming move for them to make and maybe if you make a push for somebody like George Springer or are more serious about that an injury like this to Eloy Jimenez doesn't hurt you as badly do you think they should have done more before training camp happened
1: yeah I, I mean I think Springer kind of ideally fits your window and you know solves that position long term and yeah it probably makes this um makes this more palatable uh you know there, there's no way losing alloy is not awful and there's no like you're not going to have just uh, an alloy caliber replacement line and weight in any real situation but i would say that yeah if Crafty and i didn't have a budget I, I would say springer would be my number one target uh this offseason the white Sox clearly were operating with a budget you know and i've talked to Hunt about it and he's never he's basically said that them shopping at the top of the corner outfield market was not really realistic for what they were allotted for the season. The reason they kind of, and I don't know, this is not to necessarily agree with it 100%, but the reason that they shop at the top of the market for closer is because that's the position group they could shop for a lot of the mar- top of the market. Mm-hmm. The most expensive closer, the best closer in baseball costs for years $54 million. That gets you a very you know middle-class right fielder and as a result they decided well let's get an elite closer and let's kind of look for what's an affordable bounce back um, option uh, and that, that leads you to Adam Eaton. Now or you know maybe preferably it would have led you to Jock Peterson but that's what they wound up being able to secure right away at the, at the early in free agency. Now so as a result, you kind of have a, a two two sides of the coin. Now, Eaton could underperform. You're looking for a replacement mid-season, but at the same time, that's reflective of the budget level you're shopping at. So maybe it's a similar level of kind of scouring the waiver market or scouring somebody who's on kind of that one-year deal or at that you know, mid-level six to 10 million salary for the rest of the year. And as a result, you're not looking for some sort of major tentpole acquisition. Uh, You know, since really they signed Carlos Rodon uh, in January, they've really been looking at kind of minor league deals uh, to patch the roster. So I think when people have asked me, like, well, are they going to search for Puig or are they going to search for Jonas Cespedes, like, during spring camp, you know, my question to that would be, you know, is that guy going to come for a minor league deal? Because then, yeah, they might plug a hole with that. But um, I think they're going to have a little bit more – kind of uh, in their ante when they're searching for the deadline. But you know, for now, I think you're going to see them looking for moves a little more on the Jake Lamb level of, like, well, who's available on the waiver wire for a low-level uh, Major League deal? And, you know, If that really is a systemic help for us, which is unlikely at that level, we'll add it. But right now, I, I think that's why they're kind of leaning with what they have internally, and then they'll shop you know, at the deadline uh, for, for something reasonable.
0: James Fegan of The Athletic covers the White Sox. He is joining us now on 670 The Score. And depending on where you look when it comes to projections, there's a little bit of fluctuation. And if you look at Pocota, their projection is around 80 wins for the Sox this year. I believe Fangraphs has them around 85 for the season. What what do you think is closest to reality? Because for me watching Last year was a surprise year of them getting to the playoffs. We know they have a good young team, but it was only two months of a season, and there's no telling what would have happened if they had to play another four months. I, I hope that we still would have been talking about a playoff Sox team, but how close to reality do you think some of the projections are?
1: I'm, a, I'm on the over for those, I would say. I, I think uh, talking to scouts who were covering them this spring that you know, it's it's more of the high 80s type of territory. The kind of Pachota uh, projections is really, and I understand why because you take the entire career uh, into it and just kind of project the stats out from there. But they wind up being really uh, bearish on guys who have kind of had recent transformations. Uh, so it's it's really low on Tim Anderson. It doesn't know what to make of on Mankata because you have. It doesn't know that he was a number one global prospect. It says like, well, he had one good 2019 season, and that kind of seems like an outlier. That's not going to happen again. Um, it winds up thinking not much of you know Jose Breu having an MVP season last year. It doesn't know it doesn't think Michael Kopech or Dylan Cease are any good. It's the same for Carlos Rodon. So I, I think yeah, there's depth issues. Yeah, you're kind of trusting left field and DH these uh, big offensive positions to guys who have literally never really hit at the major league level and there are, there are holes here. But I think that some of the projection systems are a little bit geared um, toward underplaying the talent level of some of these guys who just don't have major league track record. And, yeah, I think um, explaining why projection systems don't really get the White Sox is like a, a 20-year-old tradition at this point. But I think there's a little bit of legitimacy to what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's no, I... Yeah, I I agree with a, you on a that. A
1: little bit of feeling in there.
0: Yeah, and and I I think that I, I know a lot of times the people who have, you know, who who are responsible for uh, in, inventing the algorithms and perfecting them, they don't agree with with what the projections say. Like the I mean the you know the computer spits it out and they go what that doesn't make sense. I know that happens sometimes, and I mean there's clearly a lot of room for fluctuation there. And I, I do think this team is probably better, and they are probably, in my opinion, the favorite. But how close do you think the Twins are to them?
1: Extremely close. Um, yeah, I, I think it's kind of coin flip in terms of, um, you know, who, who's the favorite. I, I've, I've really heard, heard both sides. And even beyond just what the name value says to you, uh, the Twins, like... You know, they kind of got an Ethan Katz of their own, as far as a guy who has really maxed out um, their their pitching uh, performance in, in West Johnson, like the last couple of years. So I, I I don't think you watch Michael Pineda or or and think of him as somebody who's really jumps off the page at you, or their acquisitions of J. A. Happ or, or Randy Dobnak. But if you look at their stat lines, I, I think they've really kind of uh, produced a great deal more than what you'd think. And you know, as, as much as you know, the White Sox fans would tout like well, you don't understand how good Charles Rodon looked in spring, or how much he's straightened up Dylan Cease's mechanics. Like the Twins got a guy of their own on, on that level, and uh, I, I think their pitching depth probably is more impressive um, than it might meet the eye, just uh, because of how good their developmental system has been the last couple of years.
0: So now I'm I'm worried that we're setting ourselves up for a season in which we have to be disgusted with the Twins again all year long. And just watching them do twin stuff, but they're not the same kind of team they used to be. You know, they're not in that dumb yeah, now ballpark. Yeah,
1: twin stuff is uh, Sano hitting a 450 foot home run and now Luke loop yeah. Ford looping a single to right field. So,
0: so there is something slightly less irritating about that.
1: Well, yeah, except uh, well, Sano, you like strike him out make him look foolish three times, and then he hits, like, a gutting, like, eighth inning bomb to, to, you know, (laughs) St. Paul. Uh, I I think it winds up being irritating (laughs) all the same to White Sox, fans. I don't
0: no, Dude, I don't know. I I would rather just, okay, he hit a a 900-foot home run or a chopper off the turf that just got through the the two middle infielders who who crossed each other and, you know, like, game-winning runs, scoring from second on some BS rally they started in the ninth. Yeah, I that that stuff. I am I'm over all that. So as long as we don't go back to that, I think I'll be okay.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm recalling like Terrence Gore like uh, scoring from oh. second on like Jake Patrishka, like a bouncer to oh. middle infield, and I I don't think anything can really top that.
0: Oh man, oh god, that place was the worst, just the absolute worst. Uh, James, I appreciate your time tonight. I'm glad you're feeling okay, but go lay down just in case.
1: There were definitely portions of explaining their budget where I thought, "What am I talking about? Is this the vaccine taking over?" <laughs> no, but
0: no, it isn't the vaccine. It's that the it's it's probably just ridiculous. You know what it's I mean? Just baseball like, economics. Yeah, baseball economics is so absurd. And hey, biblical losses. You know. <laughs> <laughs> James, I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care. That is James Fegan of the Athletic joining us on 670 The Score again. Read all of his work, and I think the Athletic um, don't they have like they have like a special right now where it doesn't cost as much to subscribe to the Athletic. So I would get on that. It's very good. The coverage is outstanding. The coverage around the country is outstanding and you can read James and you know you can read Patrick Mooney and you can read Ken Rosenthal and all, all the really great baseball right all, all the writing every sport they cover it terrifically on is terrifically a word they cover it great on The Athletic and you can follow James Fegan at J.R. Feagan on Twitter so uh, you know the budget stuff And I was having this conversation with somebody on our text stream. And please text the show if you have something to say. Brought to you by Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at Um, I, I One of the most bothersome things about Major League Baseball, because it's a sport that doesn't work within a salary cap, So you don't really know how much a team can actually spend. One of the most irritating things about it for me is knowing that teams probably sometimes set arbitrary budgets for themselves when it comes to payroll. And we can never truly know how much a team could really, truly afford to pay their players because we don't know how much they really, truly, actually make in revenue per season. And it seems like some folks on Twitter are more than happy uh, to continue to side with the owners on that. As we talk about the White Sox and the Cubs and the Anthony Rizzo situation, baseball is happening in less than 48 hours here in Chicago. The Cubs will play uh in the afternoon on thursday and that will begin the 2021 season but there, there, there's still a, a lot of stuff to consider as we get ready for major league baseball coming up i'm chris Ranji with you until 10 you're listening to the score
2: i'm gambling again
0: hey college hoops on the score is brought to you by sam adams So whenever we talk about it, um, it's brought to you by Sam Adams. You should know that. And here, gambling is fun. I am not a, uh, no, okay, I'm a degenerate now. I'm a new, I'm a new gambling degenerate. I think we all are. New or all degenerates? Uh, yes. Okay.
2: The, uh... So this
0: was tweeted out by Yahoo Sportsbook tonight. Um, College basketball is on Gonzaga advances to the Final Four. Shocker. They're still undefeated. Um, Before I tell you the final, let me tell you what some better did. Better, B-E-T-T-O-R. According to Yahoo, this better put down $550,000 on USC um, to cover eight and a half. And that was before the game started. Okay, so obviously that didn't work. That same person then bet another $550,000, so a total of $1.1 $1. 1 million. This No, I'm sorry, one million. Is that right? That's $1. right. $1.1 million. Yeah, my math ain't great. $1.1 $1. $1 million total. But the second $550,000, they put on USC at halftime to win the second half. So, in order for this person to have won the second bet, USC needed to lose by 18 or less. 18 or less. So the person knew that, that you know, that, that $550,000 initially going to lose that. But at least if I hedge here and I bet on USC to win the second half, I can save face. So USC needed to lose by 18 or less. They lost by 19. So... <laughs> Yeah. that dude <laughs> 1.1 1. 1 mil just gone just totally gone and I can guarantee you this person uh, you know when you hear a total like that it's always just astounding because most of us here could not ever put that kind of money on a single bet um but this person can afford it And I I would guess that they're not going to miss that money. Which then brings us to another point. Can you imagine? Not losing a little over a million dollars in one night. And being like, meh. The irony of me saying this right now. Is that I've been defending uh, baseball players all night for not making as much money as i think they should make and baseball players are the exact kinds of people who could put down a million point one dollars on one game in one night and be
2: okay if they didn't cash in so understanding that like i like i'm with you i'm willing to bet you see we're talking about game Can we see what i did there right. Yeah, I'm willing good, to bet that this person is not going to miss that money. However, I I would contend this is still an ill-advised gamble by whoever this is. Because Gonzaga has won, I think, a sports center, something like that. I saw someone tweeted after the game that Gonzaga has now won 27 consecutive games by double digits. Yeah. So, you... Maybe they didn't do the research. Like I probably wouldn't have done the research. I rarely research much when I gamble. If you're going to bet that kind of money, you better do the research. Exactly. So knowing coming into the game that Gonzaga A has never lost. So all right, you're just betting to cover. Fine, but B hasn't lost. hasn't won by less than ten points in the last twenty seven games. Like I don't think I would have made that bet. I don't think it's a good bet.
0: But Adam, if you don't make that bet. How do you ever feel alive? That's true. It's true. That's what it's all about. You have to... Look, if you bet a dollar here and there, yeah, yeah, you lose it, whatever. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't doesn't mean anything to you because it doesn't hurt. Like, you have to have... For people who don't gamble, I figured it out recently. You have to bet enough that it hurts if you lose... And then there's the euphoria if you win, that's how it works. So this person in order to make it hurt, probably had to bet a million dollars. So, I mean, how much is that person worth then if, if a million dollars is the threshold that if you lose a million dollars, it's going to hurt a little bit, but it's not going to put you in the poorhouse either. Um, what do
2: you think you're worth like? 20 mil you think you're worth about 20 that's probably the minimum threshold that i would think double double digit millions
0: of dollars you you got to be double digits um but that person feels alive right now i'll tell you that this
2: this (laughs) person definitely lives in a penthouse in vegas like well maybe not anymore well maybe Maybe that was the maybe 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 that
0: was the end of that for that
2: was that was the rent check
0: maybe he thought i can upgrade to a better penthouse and now that's not going to happen. That's just a real bummer for that guy. That's shame. So, I I can't feel bad for this person, but it is still sort of an oh my god. Look, and and I was talking about professional baseball players um and I I talked about this recently on the score, I think, that they're look, uh ball players like to put down some bucks on stuff. And I I'm sure that's true in You know, with most professional athletes in every sport, I'm sure a lot of people like to bet. They just do. It would be nothing for certain players on a daily basis to throw down like 40K on games for that day. I I, I know of it happening for a fact. And they used to do it regularly. Every weekend, college football, NFL, here's 40K in games for the day. And you have to bet that much when you make that much money in order to feel like you're you're, you're doing anything. So, 1.1 mil, that's a real shame. The house wins again. So oh! If you want to avoid doing something stupid like that, you got to listen to Joe Ostrowski on BetQL Daily. He'll make sure to he'll make sure that you avoid stuff like that,
2: right? And uh, early odds. When is early odds on? Is it on Fridays? I believe it's currently on Fridays still. Let me double check the schedule. Ye- Nine o'clock. Seven o'clock. Six o'clock six this o'clock. Friday. Six o'clock six this o'clock. Friday. And then I believe next week it goes back to Saturday.
0: Okay. So six o'clock Friday, early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Make sure you listen to him so that you can avoid this disaster.
2: Like this gentleman bet. Joe would have told you not to bet Gonzaga or not to bet a team. Bet, bet to, USC. Yeah, he would have told you. I, I, think, I think he would have said, you know, hey, look, Gonzaga always wins by double digits. It's not a good bet. Find something else.
0: USC plus eight and a half before the game. Hmm. They were, was it, was the line only eight and a half? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look it up. I mean, I, don't know I, if I it's didn't still see caring. the line before the, before the game. It I was mean, only eight and a half.
2: It's possible huh. that he could, uh, I mean, if he's betting through, I know like FanDuel, which is the one I use, they, let, they have alternative lines. Yeah. If you, so maybe he did something like that. I don't know. I have no idea what the line was before the game. Holy mackerel.
0: Well, uh, at least somebody had a bad night tonight. I mean, a, a thrilling night, an exciting night. You put down that kind of cash. That's how you. That's how you feel blood in your veins.
2: I would love to see the video of like the last minute, like just of this person witnessing the last minute where USC doesn't doesn't score because I believe going into the last minute of the game they were down nineteen and didn't score again. I think that you should, if you put down that
0: kind of money, automatically there should be a, a million dollar bet cam. Yes, where. Where we have to watch you, or we get to watch you. Like we we get to to see your anguish, or you celebrate if you win or lose. But I'd imagine most people who put down that kind of cash don't really want you to know they've done it, unless they win, then maybe they will tell you. That's Adam Stadzinski. He is the executive producer of the show tonight. I'm Chris Ranji. Well, uh, again, we continue to talk about baseball. And hey, folks. Guys, girls, it's opening day in less than 48 hours. The Cubs are going to open their season against the Pirates. 121st pitch on Thursday, which means the pregame is at 145, correct? Is it a 145 pregame, Adam?
2: Oh, let me check. You're talking about Thursday, right? here? Oh.
0: Thursday... Unless maybe they're doing 12, an extended pregame, twelve forty-five on Thursday. So, so wait, oh, I'm what, sorry. What did I say? 140? It's 12.45. Yeah, yeah, yeah say yeah,
2: it's, tw- yeah. it's thirty-five minute pregame. Just,
0: yes, the pregame starts twenty-five minutes after the game starts. Uh, so, a twelve forty-five
2: pregame show, one twenty-first pitch, and it's not. It's, it's a side. new thing we're trying. We start the pregame after the game starts. It's we come it's, back from the fourth inning and <laughs> and Zach starts pregame. How about how about after the first inning doesn't go well? Like okay, let's start this
0: over. Yeah okay. Kyle Hendricks gave up like four or five runs. Let's uh, let's let's start over. We're gonna go back to pregame show and then you know, we'll, we'll try again. Uh, so 12:45 pregame for the Cubs Pirates, 121st pitch Thursday, and then the White Sox will play at nine o'clock at night. So you can get baseball for what? Three hours, Probably well, it's opening day. so it's probably gonna be closer to 3:30. So three and a half hours of baseball. Cubs and Pirates, take a little bit of a break, wake up nine o'clock and you can watch some West Coast baseball as the Sox will take on the Angels. I am looking forward to the baseball season. I think the Chicago baseball season is going to be hugely intriguing for many, many different reasons. Obviously, we spent a lot of time discussing Anthony Rizzo in the contract that has not happened. But, but even beyond that, you know, there are other players on the team that you, you don't know if you're looking at their last year in a Cubs uniform. You don't know if they're going to have a bit of a surprise year and win the division. It is still possible. This division, the National League Central, is not great. I don't care if the Cardinals got Nolan Arenado in the offseason. This division is not great. It just isn't. But there's still an opening for them. And though many people, even with the Eloy Jimenez injury, many people are still expecting the, uh, the, uh, the White Sox to win the AL Central. That Twins team is really tough. It is, it is not going to be a cakewalk. This will be a very intriguing, fascinating Chicago baseball season on both sides of town. And for multiple different reasons. Tell me what you're looking forward to or what you're not looking forward to. 312-644-6767 is the phone number to call and to text. We hope you join me. My name is Chris Ranji, uh, And by the way, we are going to talk uh, about the Cubs with Evan Altman of CubsInsider.com. That'll be at 9 o'clock. But before that, it's you and me right here on The Score. Yes, yeah, opening day uh, on the score on Thursday. The 121st pitch against the Pirates. Baseball season begins. Look, this is a... I, I, I feel great about this. I don't know how I felt about last baseball season, if I'm being totally honest with you. I mean, when everything got canceled back in March... And I actually, again, at the time, was uh, was covering the Cardinals for a spring training. We went down, the show that I was on at the time, went down to Jupiter, uh, the city in Florida, not the planet. Although it kind of seems like a planet. Sometimes it's weird down there. We went to Jupiter to cover what was happening in February. And that's when the pandemic l- like started to really... I think people were becoming really conscious of it in this country. And knowing that it was going to affect us, but not really knowing to what extent it was going to affect us. And you remember at the time we were looking at Italy, and Italy had locked down everything and we were all like, Wow, that's a that is crazy that they're doing that. And it just it didn't seem conceivable that that was going, uh, about to happen to us, and you know, a month later it did. And when the season was canceled, or at least postponed, and we didn't know when baseball was going to happen, I, it just, for me, I don't know how you felt, it, it just felt weird having the season start up in August, and knowing it was going to be 60 games, and not really knowing how I would feel if, you know, my team made it to the playoffs. And I, I don't know if I did the Twitter poll or if I saw it somewhere else, and maybe it was me, I don't remember. And, and it was it was along the lines of, if your team makes it to the playoffs in this shortened 60-game season, are you going to be happy about it? Are you going to be indifferent about it? Are you going to, you know, not care at all, whatever. And I was surprised at the overwhelming amount of people who said I will celebrate as if it is a regular season if my team makes it to the playoffs. That kind of surprised me just because part of any sports season, especially baseball, because baseball feels so long, is that that. That that, and I hate using the cliche of the marathon, the marathon of the baseball season, because that's what it feels like. It is is part of the allure of winning a division and then getting to the playoffs. But when you only have to get through 60 games in baseball, I kind of felt like maybe it wouldn't be that exciting. If the playoffs happened and the whole season was weird. Nobody's in the stands and it just it it seemed like a like a like a high school team had taken over major league stadiums and there's nobody in the outfield seats. So the balls clanging around the seats in the outfield if you hit a home run and it just it, it was an odd thing. I had a somewhat more difficult time getting into it. It just sort of became an escape from all the nonsense that was happening around us. At least that's the way I felt about it. This baseball season, it it feels totally different. And I think it feels different for a couple of reasons. One of them is people will be allowed in most ballparks. Uh, I, I think all ballparks are going to allow at least some people in the buildings. I'm not sure if there are any that that, that aren't. That I can think of off the top of my head. I don't believe there are any. Um, but there are going to be people in the stands. And the presence of this vaccine. Or the multiple vaccines that are with us. That are going to help us out of the pandemic. The beginning of this. As long as everybody uh, you know, does their part. And gets their vaccine. And, and if you are listening. Uh, please. When it's available to you. And you can do it. Please go get it. Go get it. You might feel crappy for a few hours. Just get it done. It's it's really important to getting us all out of this. And so I hope people take advantage. And I will say... A, sorry,
2: man. That's Keep, okay. I'll cut you off. My bad. That's all right. I, I was, was going to say, I'll, we have a huge opportunity here, Adam, to, well, to get through this. Yes. And so and end I, it. I, I got my first shot last Monday. I got the same one that that James Fegan got, the Pfizer one. So I was going to yeah. say, like, the only adverse effect if you want to call it i had from that shot was i felt like i got slugged in my arm yeah really hard for like 36 hours yeah but it's i didn't common f- i did, yeah uh, i didn't but nothing else but i mean people that like m- in my age group from what i've been seeing the ones that apparently you have a reaction to is supposed to be the second one but i have friends that had no reaction so i don't i don't know i right. think it's just i think it's every individual person but uh, what i'm saying is the the effects are minimal compared to the positives that the end it'll gain. Yes. The, the, the end game of this is, is worth
0: every hour of feeling a little under the weather. It's worth all of it. And I, I know it isn't over, but, but again, the beginning of this baseball season feels like we are, I know we're close. Every expert says we're close. If we just, if we just do the things for the next couple of months, we all need to do. and, the problem is th- there are a lot of people who are still pushing back on all of these things which it just it's 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 been astounding to me since the very beginning and it's even more so now because all we have to do really is just just hang in there a little bit longer and this this can be over quickly and and this baseball season the beginning of it feels like an appetizer to that happening for us at some point in the summer where we are we are about as done with this as you can possibly be and for me that knowledge it just like, like last year when the baseball season restarted or you know started uh, you know for the first time because they didn't get it going to begin with when that happened, it just felt like, yeah, okay, here's baseball. And I'm glad we have something to do during all of this, but it just, it felt like such a long way off for us to be through this, this horrible hell that we are in of this stupid pandemic. And this year with this season for me, and and again, I've got a little bit in the back of my mind, a little bit of concern that something stupid's going to happen or there're going to be enough silly people who make sure we stay in this pandemic longer than we need to because they refuse to do the things that we need to do to get us all there because they have no sense of community whatsoever and they don't care about other people, they only care about their own stuff and they just don't care about the the, the larger good. Uh man though, if we do this, we are close We are so close and this baseball season for me feels like the beginning of that. So I am much more excited and looking forward to Thursday than I was looking forward to, I guess it was August 1st or around August 1st, maybe end of July. I can't remember exactly last year when the baseball season started and I knew we were going to get 60 games and I didn't know what to think of those 60 games at the time. This is This has a different feel to me, and I'm excited about it. And I I just hope that we can can hang on a little bit longer and get your vaccine when it's available to you. And I know people are having difficulty in certain areas. Just keep trying and get there, get it done. We are close. Baseball is close. I feel good about this. Adam, right now, I feel good about this. I feel so good about this. I want to talk more baseball with Evan Altman from CubsInsider.com. We will talk about the beginning of the Cubs season, the Anthony Rizzo situation, and more. Opening day, coming up soon. I'm Chris Ranji, Evan Altman next on The Score.